Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Stephen Schultz of Schultz Meyer to the show. But before we get to this week's show, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Go Brand Go, Edward Jones, Enterprise Bank and Trust, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Stephen Schultz. Stephen Schultz, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, we got connected through Nick Otten, who is a big sponsor of ours, NWO IT Services, as well as a really good friend of mine. And so I'm excited to have you on to talk about your law firm. Uh, so why don't we start there? Talk to us about growing up and what prompted you to start Schultz Meyer. Sure. So um, I grew up here in St. Louis, grew up specifically in Baldwin. Um you know, grown, homegrown here and educated here in St. Louis as well. Everybody asked where you went to high school. I went to, to CBC. And, um, and so I went to, to undergrad. My undergraduate degree is actually in, in finance. And I really wasn't all that sure about law school until I was involved in a crash myself. So I'll talk about that a little bit later. And then how I formed the firm is I was actually went to law school and I was working at another firm here locally uh, that did personal injury. And th those two partners decided to disband. And so that presented me with a, um, an opportunity, so to speak, I guess, to either you know, go out on my own or form a partnership or go work for another law firm. And so the decision was made at that time with my partner, Josh Myers, to form Schultz Myers. Awesome. Awesome. Well, talk to us a little bit about when you decided to do that. What were some of the challenges that kind of come when you're starting a firm on your own like that? Well, with any business, it's going to be, you know, capital. What's going yeah. to be the amount of money it's going to take to, to start the business. But with the law firm, the biggest challenge, in addition to that, is acquiring clients. And, um, you know, when you operate on a contingency fee basis, like we do, like personal injury law firms, meaning... We don't get paid until the clients get paid. That presents a whole nother host of challenges because, you know, unlike other areas of law, like whether it be wills, trusts, or estates, we don't charge money up front. So not only do you need to have the capital to, to start the law firm itself, to open your doors, but you also have to have the capital to run the business before your client's cases settle. Right. Because there's a, typically a lag of, you know, 12 to 18 months. 
Um, and I've got a funny story about how we figured out what we would need to, to start the firm. Um, if you want me to share that, it's kind of, Absolutely. Kind of it's funny. So, you know, when we, we learned that the, the firm we were working for was closing or splitting, Josh and I, who had only known each other for a year, we, we had common interests, common goals, common morals. And so we, we sat down at, I, I don't remember the restaurant, but we sat down at a restaurant. It was, you know, around lunchtime. We, we got out a napkin, actually a cocktail napkin was the size of it. And we, we wrote down all of the expenses that we anticipate it would cost to start a firm and run a firm. And I, I wish I had that napkin and I would frame it. It would, I'd pay a lot of money right now to have that. But it, it was so, it's so funny because, you know, we had like, it was just me, Josh, and in one paralegal, but we had, um, you know, office space, 500 bucks, paper, like 50 bucks a month, um, you know, just uh, malpractice insurance, 100 bucks a month. But my, where I'm going with this is we vastly undershot what it would cost to start and run this law firm. And I can tell you that I think the monthly amount we had on the napkin totaled like $6,000 a month in overhead, which is just not even at all, even close to what it costs. And, you know, fast forward now and our overhead monthly is well into the six figures. And it would just be nice to have that napkin to see where we started and where we've, we've you know, where we're at now. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of was like the launch of the beginning, you know, kind of uh, your, your business plan on a cocktail napkin. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talk to us about how the firm's grown over the years. I mean, you guys are you guys do a heck of a job marketing. You're on billboards, on buses. You guys are all out there. So, talk to us about like kind of how the firm has grown and how your marketing um, has impacted that. Well, you know, just as a, at, at the baseline, St. Louis is a very competitive legal market, and so what you have to do to succeed, in my opinion, or at least grow. I think you can succeed if you start a law firm, but to scale and grow is something you really have to be cognizant of, of what works. And I think what you have to do is you need to be willing and aware of how to stand out from the pack. And that's what Josh and I, I think have done so well since we started. I mean, it, 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 to give you some, kind of some, maybe some benchmarks and, and some, some times when things really shifted is we went into this in 2010 is when we, we started May 1st, 2010. We both had websites. We knew the web is where clients came in predominantly. We didn't have money for TV. Obviously, we were just starting out. But I knew that the next logical step was to have impactful ads on buses, have impactful ads on TV to really get our awareness out there. And so in 2013, we were presented with an opportunity to buy 314 444-4444. And the story with that is I had a broker call me on my cell phone, a phone broker. They're out there. They peddle these numbers around. And he called me and he said, hey, I'm going down the list on Google and I found your name like number six or seven. And I'm just asking law firms if they want to buy this number. It's available for sale, not for lease, but you can buy it, actually buy it and own it. And it was a ton of money. And I remember going to Josh and I said, hey, they've got this number. This may be the catalyst for us to use to have something that could be memorable on TV, on a billboard, wherever. And I remember the discussion was it was difficult because it was so much money and we did it. And it was the first step in really catapulting us because in 2013, we then used that number, took it on TV. Then a few years later, took it on transit, on buses then in billboards and just really everywhere now. And that number is yeah. 
our, our, our whole thing is, you know, call for, get more, which is, it's just so memorable. And so I think to your question about how marketing has affected our growth is you have to be willing to stand out and spend money to do that. Um, and that's what I think has benefited us so much. Well, yeah. And I mean, it kind of goes with the saying, sometimes you got to spend money to make money, right? No question. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you, you guys are doing a heck of a job from a marketing perspective. I see you guys all over the place. So it, it obviously has made a very big impact on the growth of the firm, uh, but just on, on you know, gaining clients and gaining market share as well. Let's talk a little bit about COVID. Um, I, I bring this question up all the time on this show just because I, I find it fascinating how it's impacted uh, organizations so differently. And so I can't imagine it's, it has infected you guys just as, just as much as it's impacted everybody else. You know, I've seen the, the videos and the YouTubes of, you know, basically doing court via Zoom. But uh, talk to us how COVID impacted your firm and how you guys were able to pivot. So when things started, to sh- when, when COVID came out, I got, not came out, but when it was heavily covered in the news, and I think that was probably around February, March 2020, then a month or so later, then the lockdowns happened. And we, we, were, we were concerned. Because when the lockdowns happened, a lot of our businesses, auto accidents, um, things on the road that happened when everybody was locked down, they couldn't travel, go to work. I remember in, in, in probably April, May 2020, the intakes fell off the map. And that is a big metric on how we're going to be doing in 12 to 18 months when those cases settle. Right. So I had a big concern. But unlike a lot of other law firms and businesses, I didn't scale back our marketing then. I didn't fire anybody. I didn't do anything to take my foot off the accelerator. Um, and it was, it, was, it was a stroke of luck. It was also a leap of faith because what I found was when the lockdowns, it, after the lockdowns first started happening in April, 2020, two months later, people were traveling by car everywhere, right? They were going to Lake of the Ozarks. They were going anywhere without using an airplane, which then our intakes, went crazy up. And so um, you're asking me how COVID impacted my firm. It didn't impact it really in a, in, a, in a bad way, except for those two months, which had been well made up for after that. However, the lasting effect, in my opinion, on my business is personnel. It's hard to find people right now, good people. Um, we have great people here, but it's hard if you want to grow. It's hard to find more um, and the second thing with us specifically is, you know, inflation, it's, it's affected us. Rents have gone up, paper's gone up, cost of all kinds of goods have gone up that we use, commodities, but we haven't raised our prices a, a penny. We start, we charge the same percentage we charged 10 years ago. And so you can't pass a lot of those costs onto the consumer. And right. so that's a challenge. You have to balance that. You need to know how to deal with that. Yep. Yep. You're, you're, you're speaking the same language. I've talked to a lot of business owners and the people thing is a big deal right now. Trying to find, you know, good talent to help you continue to grow as an organization is extremely challenging. Um, and to your point, yeah, the inflation is impacting all of us. I mean, you go to the gas station right now, the, you know, I think I saw statistic gas is up 55% that right now than it was last year. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, to your point of it, the paper and the, and the supplies that you need to run your business, um, those go up, but your fee stays the same. That obviously impacts the bottom line of an organization big time. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's a challenging time to be a business owner. That's for darn sure. Yep. 
When you look back and you're, uh, you know, starting the firm, are there things that you wish you could have changed uh, now that you kind of look back and you guys have been in business a while? That's a tough one. I, I'm not going to beat my hands on my chest and tell you we're, we're geniuses with marketing and geniuses with running a, a business. I have made plenty of mistakes, but I really don't have a whole lot of things I can look back on and say, wow, that would have made a dramatic difference in my personal life or my business life had I done it differently in 2010. I think the only thing I ever you know, regret or wish I would have done differently is just be more aggressive. Yeah. Be more aggressive with spending money Be more in the business. Be more aggressive with trying to grow the practice. Be more aggressive in growing in different market areas. Those are all things I wish I would have done maybe, you know, differently. But I just really do not, I do not have any regrets because I feel like we're in such a strong position now. We've got, we've got a lot of very aggressive marketing and aggressive firms coming into our market right now. And I don't have the same concern a lot of other law firms have because I've grown my base of how this business works with my branding, with our number, with our employees, all those things. So I don't have that same type of, uh, of concern. So I'm just very fortunate. I think we've done a lot of things right. Yeah. Well, I, and you know, it's all hindsight's always 2020 and you can always say, I wish I was a little more aggressive, but at the time, you know, you're probably trying to balance a budget and, and stay within your means as well. So, uh, and to your point, you guys have done a pretty darn good job. So it's kind of hard to look back and have any regrets. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit EnterpriseBank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let's shift gears here a little bit. Uh, let's talk more about leadership. Um, talk to us about your leadership views and how you and Josh kind of lead your organization. Uh, you know, I think that all falls back on how I learned to be a leader. And again, this is with the caveat that I'm not a perfect leader by any means. But I think what has worked for us is I have a different, I, I think Josh and I have, we're very close in the way we operate in our thought process and that's what that's what's worked so well because many law firms split because the leaders do not agree on things. Josh and I have, I think we've had, I can count on one hand how many arguments we've had over running this business in the last 12 years of running it. But to your question, um, I, I kind of go back on things I learned throughout the years. My father um, started a painting company when he was in his 20s and he just recently sold it to um uh, one of the uh, his partner's son, but where I'm going with that is I learned a lot of that from him. He always treated people with dignity. He was always upbeat, fun. He was he, he joked a lot, which I think created an atmosphere um, of employees who enjoyed working for him. He was never somebody who would be nasty with anybody. He never I, I've never seen him yell at anybody. And I worked at the, at the at his painting company in the summers, going through high school and through and through college. Um, and he had that he had that that business for you know, 35 years, but I learned a lot of that from him. And so I, those takeaways that I had going, you know, to work and, and seeing how he worked with employees, I use that here. Um, obviously it's a different business, but I think treating people fairly um, and, and, and giving them a voice and how you run your business, I think is important. And that, I think that's benefited us. 
Absolutely. Well, I have, I couldn't agree more. I think um, that's good, good views on leadership. And it sounds like you guys are running a pretty darn good organization over there. Talk to me about, you know, as you use these views that we just discussed um, and you utilize them in your organization, how does that impact, you know, the company culture and how does that impact the growth of your organization? I think people uh, want to have a voice. I think they want to have their opinions valued. And so I, in the interview process and the new hire process, this is something I've always told people. If you have a suggestion on how to run this business more efficiently or more effectively, drop what you're doing, come in my office and let's discuss it. Because this is my first go around. I haven't owned five other law firms. Right. And I'm still learning on how to, how to do it. And you know, people work in different places before they come here and they have takeaways from those other businesses, the good and the bad. And so it's important to me to let those folks uh, tell me that, hey, you know what, this would be better if you do it this way. And sometimes I take the advice, sometimes I don't. But point being is you're never going to learn how to, um, you know, to improve upon things unless you learn from the people who are doing it in the trenches every day, which is the, here, the paralegals, the case managers, intake folks. And so, and I think that they, they value that and they appreciate that so much. They think, wow, I've got a little skin in the game here. You know, I, I've got a little say on how things operate and they can be proud of that. And I think that's another reason why people stay here. Yeah. We don't have a lot of turnover here. We don't have folks who come in and leave in two or three months because they don't like it here. So I think that's worked. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, talk to me about where you learned to be that kind of leader. You had to have, you know, um, learned those attributes somewhere. Where do they come from? I think a lot of that, like I said, is, is from my father. I also read, you know, I read books. Um, this may sound kind of silly, but um, we're, we're a Disney family. And we were that way, actually, before we had started having kids. I've got an eight, six and three-year-old. My, my three-year-old just turned three yesterday. But we, um, my wife and I went to Disney before we had kids. And since we had kids, obviously, we do it even more because the kids have so much enjoyment. But where I'm going with this is, I've always um, been a big fan of Bob Iger and I've read his, his book um, and you know, his book, the right of a lifetime. Yep. And there's a lot of takeaways from how he's managed his business, which is different from past CEOs of, of, of running Disney. And so I guess your question on where I've learned things a lot from my dad, but also from books and people who are very good at it, like Bob. And um, I try to emulate those people and put a little of my own spin on it, but obviously use what has worked for other folks. Well, I find it very ironic that you're a Disney uh, fan. I actually am one myself. My wife and I actually were engaged at Disney. Our honeymoon was in Disney. We are Disney Vacation Club members, uh, and we go all the time. And now we have, uh, we used to go all the time just as a, as a couple. And now um, I have a daughter who's 11 months old, going to be a year here in uh, January. And I have a son on the way, and we've already got trips planned for next year. So we're definitely a Disney family. I've also read Bob Iger's book, The Ride of a Lifetime, which was a fantastic read. Um, and you're right, the leadership views and just the Disney way, quote unquote, Disney way, um, there's, you can pull some really valuable things out there out of kind of their, their mindset and how they do things all the way down to the way they point uh, and the direction they point. Um, it's very interesting how that Disney uh, organization um, was built and how it was, how it's still being run today. It's uh, great, great leadership views there. So I, I find that very fascinating. I'll tell you what, and congrats, obviously, on, on, on your kid on the way and having your family. That's, 
you're going to find a different kind of enjoyment, obviously, with the kids down there. And we started taking them down there. We took my firstborn daughter down there, I think, when she was four months old. Obviously, she's going to have no recollection of that. But <laughs> we the, the photos and the videos from that are just so memorable. Man, that is just such a such a great thing to reflect on. So I'm a little jealous you're starting out doing that now um, because I sure did enjoy it. So congrats on that. And one thing I want to say about that book that you read it, you know, obviously a much different business than I operate as far as obviously the industry and everything else, the scale, I mean, everything, but even, even takeaways from what Bob says about innovation and always innovating, you know, his purchase of Pixar and all those things that, you know, that he did quickly to scale that company that had, has had a huge impact on the business and the stock price, obviously you can still do that in, in a law firm. And we do that here. I think I'm a big, a big believer in innovation um, and which is why we use sophisticated case management software. And we were just in trial and using sophisticated things in trial a couple months ago, because I think that's important. So lots of takeaways from that book is, is my point. That's a whole different podcast, I guess, talking about takeaways from that book. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this. If you look back on your career um, and the success that you have, what's one thing that you believe has really impacted your career in a positive way? I think um, a negative thing that has had a positive impact is going to be my car accident. So early 20s in college, had a bad car accident, was not at fault um, and really badly hurt. I was in uh, at, at Mercy Hospital, which was in St. John's for quite a while. I couldn't walk for about three, four months. Uh, but my point with that is that whole process of going through that. I couldn't work for a long time. I had to depend on my parents. They had to give me money. I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know, you know, who was going to pay all these medical bills. And so, you know, you fast forward now, and that's exactly what I do for a living. I represent those people. And because of that experience, I cannot overstate on the empathy I have for clients that we have. And the way it makes them feel when I talk about my crash and I know what you're going through. And it's one reason why I give my cell number to all the clients of this firm, which are the hundreds and hundreds of people we sign up every year. I give them my cell phone because I want them to know they can call me at night with that burning question because I know what it's like laying there in bed at, you know, 11, 12 at night and you're hurting and you're like, oh my gosh, these bill collectors are calling me. What am I going to do? And so I, that, that experience while it was horrible and I could have lost my life um, easily <laughs> in it, it is certainly impacted the way I operate the business. And I think it's made us so effective and you can look online at our reviews. And I think that is, you can see that in the reviews that we have, which are great. Um, so that, that's, that's absolutely the uh, most important experience that has affected this career of mine. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, Stephen, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with one piece of advice. So if you could leave us with a piece of advice, whether that be on business or your personal life, uh, what would it be? I would say that you have to balance things um, and have a vice to deal with stress. Everybody deals with stress differently. And I think it's how you deal with it defines a lot of the how successful you are. And for me, it has always been the gym. Um, and I think that's even in, in, I think Bob says that in his book, or maybe it was one of those, his master classes. But point being is what I do five days a week, I go to the gym, I turn my phone off. I don't bring it up to the, to the weights. Like a lot of other people do. They're looking at their phone, they're texting. I completely shut down my business mind 
and I spend an hour, hour and a half only working on my health. And that has unreal benefits from your, for your, for your personal life uh, and your business. Absolutely. And so I think that is um, a piece of advice that I cannot uh, you know, overstate enough. I think that's important. No, I think that's great advice. I think it's a it's unique advice compared to some of the advices I've gotten on this app, on this podcast, but it's just as valuable. And um, you're absolutely right. You got to not only take care of your mental state, you got to take care of your physical state. Um, you got to have time to really reflect on yourself and make sure you're taking care of yourself. Because if you're not taking care of your body and your health and your mental health and all those things, um, you never know when that's going to be gone. Right. And so, um, you can't, you can only be as successful as you are. And if you aren't taking care of yourself then your business is de definitely going to fail from that. So I think that's great advice. Um, I appreciate you joining us today, uh, Stephen, on behalf of the STL leaders podcast and myself, I appreciate what you and Josh are doing with Schultz Meyer and, uh, and the, um, the knowledge that you have brought to this show. And so I thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it. My pleasure.